You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. You're listening to the Show Jumping Podcast, a fun and informative show for riders, owners, trainers, grooms, and fans of all levels. I'm Ashley Winch in Kansas City, Missouri. And I'm Christy McCormick in Saratoga Springs, New York. And you're listening to the Show Jumping Podcast, where we deliver at-home riding exercises to our listeners and chat with fellow horse enthusiasts about the world of show jumping. And we're happy to highlight our title sponsor, Reline GI. Reline GI is a natural long-term alternative that goes beyond masking symptoms. This unique blend of gut-friendly hyaluronin and wellness-boosting beta-glucan works with your horse's body to soothe and protect their digestive system. Unlike traditional therapies that can disrupt digestion and nutrient absorption, Reline GI leaves your horse's natural balance intact. But don't take our word for it. Reline GI is field tested by leading veterinarians and backed by peer-reviewed research, including a study by Dr. Nathan Slovis, showing it effectively reduces gastric ulcers in active horses. Plus, it's clean, sport certified, safe for competition use. Don't forget to use code SJP at checkout for 10% off, linked in our show notes. Uh, we are joined today again by my friend, Jamie, who was here last time. We had a great time then, didn't we, Jamie? We had a blast. Hi, everyone. Uh, and we're also joined by Jamie's friend, Nikki O'Donovan, who is a, uh, show barn manager for a top jumper barn, um, who has a lot of experience showing in Europe and the States and Jamie, you do as well. Um, actually I do too. We all do. I kind of forgot that I even went there. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to, uh, just talk about the, some of the differences between, uh, Europe and American showing. What was so long ago? I feel like that was a different lifetime. My goodness. Uh, Nikki. Hi, how are you? Hi guys. Um, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what your current position is? Sure. So, um, I've been, I suppose, professionally grooming I would say for the last maybe 10 years um in show jumping I did a another discipline before that for um about five years um but I've been part-time really between America and Europe you know six months in Europe and then we used to come to Florida for the winters um with Dara Kinney's barn Oakland Stables uh so I was his main show groom for a lot of that time and now I've fallen into a somewhat uh I suppose simpler life I I kind of joke and call it my retirement life um Mm -hmm. I'm full-time now with a girl called Hallie Grimes here in America since January last year and I just manage her day-to-day barn um I do a lot of the FEI shows with her and anything to do with entries, passports, vets, farriers, you know, I try to keep on top of all of that. Do you call yourself in retirement because of your job description or because you're in the States versus being in Europe? Um, I think 
because in terms of I think when you're you're so fast paced for so many years, you know, a lot of us do it so strenuously, like, you know, you, you never take a moment. And this is this job has benefited in the sense that I can I can take time for myself now, you know. Um it's not as fast paced, it's not as many horses, it's still top level and it's still um you know, we're still going to four and five star shows every week, but it's, I find it a lot more lenient. And I think when you get to, well, I don't know, I don't want to throw out any ages anywhere, but I feel like mm-hmm. at my age, um, I needed something quieter, um, something where I can maybe eventually, you know, set roots somewhere. So that's kind of my, my term, you know, retirement where that comes in. Right, sure. And by age, we'll just say north of <laughs> 35 for all of us. <laughs> I'm still out of that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, then you're a baby and you have plenty of time to retire. My goodness. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, for everyone else listening, this is not a video chat, so I cannot see Nikki. And um, I do not <laughs> guessing her age and how she looks, but she is talking like she is. In her uh, upward, mentally, uh, you know, mentally yes. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness. Um, well, do you have any, as much as you may love retirement here in the States and, um, you know, how, how quiet your job is now, which sounds lovely. Do you, you know, do you, what do you think of the fast pace that America horse shows can you know, kind of lead to versus, uh, European shows? Um, I would say, uh, I wouldn't really class any shows in America as fast paced now anymore, really. When I think about Mm. Europe, you know, I used to have, I still have my truck license. I used to get into a truck on, you know, a Tuesday morning or a Tuesday night and, you know, some weeks I'm driving 10 hours straight to get to my destination with three or four horses in the back. All your equipment, you get there, you're unloading everything yourself for three or four days. You turn around and you come home, you know, um, at least over here for the majority of it. If we're going somewhere far, you get to go for two or three weeks um, right. and you and get that up breathing stay. space. Yeah, you get that breathing space um, in Europe. You don't you get home. You change your horses and you hit the road again, you know, and that is exhausting. Do you feel like you get any sleep when you're on the road like that? Um, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, normally a lot, what you'll find in Europe is you will walk down the aisle of a show and you will find a lot of grooms sleeping on the aisle. We have our deck Mm. chairs and our hammocks and, um, especially, um, the winter time when you have your World Cup season and your classes are starting. Some classes are starting at 10 p.m., you know, um, yeah. or even Miami, for example. Um, you know, you're you can only exercise the horses at what, 6 a.m. and your class isn't until afternoon. So that's when we sleep <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of the day when in when the break. Yeah, exactly. right. Uh, Jamie, were your experiences similar when you were working over there? Well, luckily for me, I don't have a truck license, so I didn't (laughs) have to 
I didn't have to deal with the driving part Also of be it. the driver. Yeah. And that was kind of the most, you know, when I first started going to Europe, the most impressive part of it to me was the hours that the grooms worked and then got in the truck and drove the horses home, swapped the horses over, left again for another horse show. And like, I personally couldn't do that part of it. I just, I don't, I just couldn't do it. So I have a lot of respect for everybody that does. And, you know, Nikki and I have spent many hours on the phone while she's driving to and from horse shows. And like, you know, the timing works out that, you know, the, the time difference works out. And so that we could kind of talk during those odd hours. And I was just always so impressed that she was still going and still doing it. And, um, it's a very, it's a very hard life, but you know, it's, it's impressive. (laughs) Well, and it's a lot of responsibility, right. To take on just getting in the truck and being in charge of those horses, not just, not just at the horse show and taking care of them, but then transporting them. I mean, America has how many businesses that we rely on here for commercial shippers and do commercial shippers exist in Europe actually? Oh yeah, they do. Um, and one thing I will say is I was very lucky when I was driving the truck because um, not, you know, not a lot of employers are nice enough to provide their groom with an extra driver to help them. Or mm. they might not allow them to leave in enough time where you can do a proper layover. Um, so I was very lucky if I needed a driver, I could have a driver. Of course, it costs a lot of money to have someone drive with you. But at the end of the day, the horses, you and everybody else on the road around you needs to be safe, you know. Are safer, um, sure. Exactly. And if I had to stop for a layover, then yeah, I did that. Um, well, but and then, then like, if you're driving on your own and you're, you know, then you're still, even though you're stopping for a layover, you're still having to unload the horses and take care of them. And that cuts yeah. into your potential time to get some rest, rest and time. then, exactly. you know, and I just, it's, it, it, it's the most impressive. It's, it's just such an impressive thing to me. Cause like I could do it all, but I couldn't add the driving part of it. I just, like I said before, I just, it would stress me out too much that I would get tired that something would happen. Like, you know, the ability to do it is there, but the, I suppose it's a desire to do it also that I just kind of don't have to do the driving part of it. Well, and how uh, that's just so much to ask for one person too, to especially let's say you have a Grand Prix at 10 PM and that class isn't over until, you know, 12 or one in the morning and to either have to get in the truck then and drive or just sleep for, you know, six hours and then go again the next day, depending on where you have to get to is it's just, I think the caretakers of the horses, both in, especially in Europe, but also here are asked, uh, you know, to do so much. Yeah. And you know, there's some shows you go to also where, yeah, your class finishes really late and you'd love to be able to have a sleep, but it's in such a major city. They have a time frame where they need to mm. get those stables down and they need you out of there. Sure. So, right. To take down the whole event. Yeah, so they're they're hustling. They're getting the trucks in and they're getting you out and there's no rest. You just got to keep going. 
Do you have any stories that are, you know, sort of funny now, but maybe not funny at the time of trying to get out of a horse show? Ooh. Um, <laughs> or to a horse not show? Ne- so- not necessarily funny, but like, um, for example, like in uh, in Paris at the Global, um, it, it, how they park you was just insane. And I remember there a few years ago, I was parked like, on top of um, an entrance for a subway that they had closed off. And I was up on maybe a three foot high curb and there was trees everywhere around me and I needed to get out. And if I was to drop my left wheel down off the curb, my whole truck was going to ricochet off all of these trees. And I think there must have been about 20 men around me trying to trying to uh, maneuver me out of this tiny little space and I still to this day I don't know how, how I did it without hitting the truck off anything um but I you're did just it. that good Nikki <laughs> you're full did, of talent did <laughs> anybody <laughs> from did anybody who worked at subway try to come out and help you if you were right there no, it was the 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 subway, the underground train, like the underground, oh, the underground. subway. Oh gosh, do they actually Sorry. have subways in Europe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was there one time. I've already forgotten. Obviously, they brought her <laughs> long to help her out, and then she was on her way. That would have been great. At least she would have had a snack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you know what I used to love is I'd be you know driving down the highway in my big truck, and okay, like I'm I'm blonde and whatever and young and. You'd have really young, big... younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> and there'd be these big burly men driving their trucks overtaking me. And they look and when they see me, they'd like be pointing to their friend, being like, Oh my god, like look at this young girl driving the big <laughs> truck. <laughs> You're like one of those macho truck drivers yeah, along exactly. with them. <laughs> Would you so do you transport the horses here in the States too? No. Um, okay, mm. we have like our own little Stefex van, so that's lovely. But uh, no, we use shippers over here. And there is a lot of shippers in Europe also. Um, but, you know, when it comes to having your own truck in Europe, I know the driving is just insane. But to get to a show and get into your own bed and not have to go find a hotel. Like a lot of those trucks come with their own living quarters. You can keep all your grain in the side of the truck, your spare equipment. If you go with a a, a haulage company, you're taking everything out, every single last bit of stuff that you need. And you're hauling it to the stable. You need to find a right. hotel. You have no storage except for what's there. Yeah, exactly. So th- I actually... At the end of the day, I loved going on my truck. Yeah. And you, just to clarify too, again, for our listeners, you, uh, the living quarters mean you would just stay in that lorry as well as, um, you know, that was, that was like a camper and a trailer all in one, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's hugely convenient. You'd press a button, the side would pop out, you'd press another button and the top would pop up and, you know, you had your kitchen and your shower. It's your traveling home. Yeah, exactly. And it was so it's so much comfort just having it there on the showgrounds. Stefix really has uh, a lot of those fans as well. Now they have the little ones here that people use as practically like cars to transport around uh, Wellington. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. But they still have the large ones in in Europe, correct? Yeah, they do. And if for some reason it never became a hit over here, I want to say someone tried it at some point and they just couldn't make it work. 
Mm. Yeah, I think the at least going and setting up for two weeks, you do have a chance to, you know, kind of move into a Airbnb or a hotel or something like yeah. that. But yeah, they would be they would be convenient here too. Certainly people do have campers that they yeah. travel in. And like, you know, when I think about it, like this summer I drove to Michigan in my own pickup and it took me the same amount of hours as I would have driven a truck in Europe. So it's not like, you know, you're never going to go drive from the East Coast to the West Coast in your own personal truck. Like that's not going to happen. So the distance that we drive here for shows is practically the same distance we would drive weekly in Europe. So I don't really understand why they haven't... um, been brought over here or why they didn't you know catch on well and i think like the commercial shippers have such a huge business over here too people get attached to you know supporting those businesses and i mean jamie i remember working for uh north run together with you and we would load out of florida what like five vans at least of eight horses each eight to ten and equipment yeah like it you know, the trucks hold a lot of horses and a lot of equipment and, but it is significantly different transporting horses, in my opinion, over here than it is over there. And like, you know, as with anything, change takes a bit of time to get used to, but the longer, the more time I spent in Europe and the more time I spent using the lorries there and kind of getting used to how, the European life works. I so much prefer it. And I, my transport company over here is amazing. Like I, they're wonderful, but the, there's a significant difference in the trucks as far as like, even something just like sounds like the trucks in Europe are, in my opinion, so quiet and nice for the horses. And the ones here, you know, there's a lot of chains and rattling and stuff like that. And it's just, it's a lot, you know, they're, they're just as safe. They're just as nice, but it's just, you know, you ride in the back of the truck with the horses as we all have done. And it's loud in the trucks over here. And, you know, the horses spend a lot of time in those trucks and you would imagine that like, you know, it gets annoying for us. So you would imagine it gets annoying for them too to just listen to the chains banging all the time. And like, that's my only, if I had to be picky, that's kind of my biggest issue with the trucks over here. It's not the companies themselves or the people or anything. It's just, there's a lot of noise in the back of the trucks here. And I feel <clears throat> that's like just truck, my opinion. The trucks over here also, I feel like, haven't really developed um you know they haven't you know they kind they of are them. what they are and have been for a long time they haven't tried to improve them you know the ramps terrify me yeah and you know everyone now has these european trunks trying to get one of those up a ramp that has a two-foot step at the top of it is, it takes six people <laughs> it's torture it's yeah it's a death wish um, speaking of what horses must find uncomfortable, and surprisingly, they do so well with it. Um, can Jamie, can you talk about, and Nikki, you have this uh, experience too, flying with horses. Like the first time that you flew with horses to Europe, what was that like? Terrifying. Um, 
<laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> Jamie can go. <laughs> she, I yeah, was, I think for me, the first time I did it, I was genuinely handed an envelope full of some paperwork and loaded the horses. And my employer said, see you in a few weeks. And I was like, okay, here we go. I had never been to Europe before, never mind traveling with the horses. And it's such a major thing to do, you know, but like I've been doing it forever now. And I think the horses prefer getting on a plane as opposed to getting on a truck. And it's so common for them, you know, of course, like people, there's some that like it less than others, but like, it's such a well-oiled machine for the most part, how the horses get on and off the plane and like, you know, customs can be a bit of a weight and a pain in the butt, but you know, I, I think it's, it's so normal to most show horses now to get on an airplane and travel. It's just like people it's that like, travel. It's like us flying. For work. Yeah. Yeah. And like, obviously there's a lot of things that can go wrong and it's scary, but like after doing it for so long, it's, it's nicer for the horses and it's kind of nicer for us. I don't know what your opinion is, Nikki, but like, you know, you're on a cargo plane with your horses and, you know, there's six or eight seats for other grooms and airline grooms and the pilots and stuff. And you're allowed to kind of like move around and check the horses when you want to. And it's kind of a nicer way to travel for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. I've had, uh, yeah. So I've had, I think maybe two different experiences. Like there was once where, you know, maybe there was 10 show grooms. We were going to like a global or something. And, we were all squished in together. And I was like, oh my God, like this is going to be torture. And then like the flights from Amsterdam then to Miami, it's like you're flying business class up over the horses. Yeah. It's yeah. so nice. And, yeah. you know, help yourself to the food and the drink and everything. And um, I will say um, I was very surprised and I'm still surprised to this day at how calm the horses are, even first timers mm-hmm. when it comes to flying. Mm-hmm. and people always say to me oh my god I can't believe you fly horses like do you ever have to sedate them never I've never ever ever seen a horse get sedated to go on a flight I had one that I used to travel with that had to get sedated we were flying I don't remember the exact details of I want to say we were flying like JFK into Germany or something like that And the pilot could hear the horse kicking and came into where we were all sitting and was like, you guys have to do something about this. So he was a bit of a, he was, he was special, (laughs) but that's the, that's the only time that I've had to sedate a horse in flight. And it was, you know, as terrifying as it sounds, but it was safer. You know, you can't give them too much. Obviously they have to be able to hold themselves up, but you can give them just enough to kind of take the edge off and make it safer for everybody. And, you know, you don't want them to kick for a nine hour flight and hurt themselves. Um, it's like so people that who was, fly who needed a Xanax just to relax. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, he needed a cocktail just like everybody else. He needed else a cocktail. Would, yeah. That's have one. <laughs> why they serve alcohol on planes. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the first time I flew, actually, I just, I remember being up there with the, the in-flight groom and she was like, okay, it's your first time. She says, just make sure you always bring the oxygen down with you. And I'm yeah. like, oh God, why do I need a drum of oxygen with me? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> why Why would I ever need that? <laughs> yeah. There's some flights okay. too that are like, they're called combination flights. So like the front of the plane would be passengers and then the back of the plane is cargo. And obviously like the grooms, we traveled kind of like in the back of the passenger part so you can get to and from the horses very easily but the whole flight you know you get up and you check on them and we would come back and when we landed this lady in front of me was like what are you guys doing back there like you know we're covered in hay and shavings and (laughs) we smell bad and you can hear the horses screaming and they're like it it was you know to normal people who don't understand even it does sound crazy too to people that know what they're doing, but like just the fact that there's horses behind the passengers on a plane just heading to Europe and like it's so it's so that means wild. that there are people on the plane that are unaware that there are horses behind him them. They just and they just think that the back half of the plane is cargo and they, you know, why would crazy? you assume why would you assume that that would mean there were living animals back there? You just assume right. cargo means like you know, machine guns whatever. or something. <laughs> if that's where your brain wants to go, sure. <laughs> I was whatever, you know. Exotic flowers from Brazil. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I would have said something other than machine guns. <laughs> I, I just finished watching uh, the show Reacher. And so, you know, it just seemed to make sense. So you got machine guns brain. on the plane. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell me about a couple... Um, horror stories that you guys have run into showing over there that again maybe are a little funnier now than they were at the time Ooh, horror stories i can uh, it's not really at a show but we were flying one time and um i suppose there must have been 50 horses on the flight and one of them was pretty bad had kick pads all around and he pulled his kick pad down underneath him and's freaking out and i'm like okay he can't freak out for 10 hours like i need to get the kick pad and stupidly i went in to get the kick pad and he kicked me and i was like okay oh. <laughs> that's that's the last time i'm going to help something in in the yeah, better to leave him alone okay yeah i know you have to it's like a juggle you're like okay it's 50-50 you can go in there and risk something happening you or you know what what's going to happen to horse for the next 10 hours you know and keep in mind like it sounds like when we're talking about it you know when you go to check the horses you have a ton of space and you're just wandering around in a cargo plane and like doing whatever like Reacher, you there's all like. that space in those back of yeah. those planes <laughs> but, like you literally can barely have enough room to walk between the containers that the horses are in and the wall of the plane. And, you know, when you're in the container with the horses, there's hay nets hanging, there's big water jugs on the ground. Like you're not talking like you have a ton of room to do the right thing and to 
make decisions in. Like there's limited space, like very limited space. So you come out of the containers and you're, you know, you have to go under the hay nets to get to the second horse on the inside Mm, of the container. You're climbing around. You have hay everywhere and it's just, it's not as luxurious it's not, as it sounds. <laughs> it's not glamorous is what you're saying yeah flying with the horses like you don't wear yeah. you don't wear your best clothes on the flight you just kind of you know <laughs> you 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 get by <laughs> uh nikki uh what's what is your um when you're showing in europe in the summertime and again i assume when you say six months and six months to six months of the winter you're in florida or with dara was that right and then the other yes. six months you're in in the summertime over there um, exactly. um can you tell us any fun stories about just you know showing over there in general it doesn't have to be transporting but um maybe something crazy that uh sorry dara we're calling you out on this uh, we're all very good friends with dara i'll just we'll just and he probably will never listen to this podcast so we're safe oh <laughs> um, uh, i don't know something crazy that he might have asked you to do actually in fact all three of us have worked with dara too that's an interesting yeah. fact separately yeah <laughs> um no i wouldn't say he's ever asked anything crazy um off the top of my head no um Everything went smooth as silk all the time? Listen, not all the time. (laughs) I think compared to a lot of riders, he's pretty easy in the sense that there's not a a lot of, like, outrageous asks and, like, you know, crazy things that he would expect done by one person. But, like, you hear other grooms talk about just the hours and the demands and... It is pretty crazy, but I, I personally don't really have any like holy moly moments that are like crazy, but just, yeah, I think, I think I count myself quite lucky in, in terms of a lot of other people, what you would hear. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, and isn't it true in at European horse shows, uh, again, from what I remember a long time ago, we really focus on one horse at a time. And here it feels like, you know, we're sort of going from class to class and horse to horse. Is that your sense uh, oh, as well, Nikki? Yeah. Or like Jamie? In ter- for me, going to a show in Europe and you only have your FEI is just amazing and then over here you can bring your nationals you can bring your hunters your ec horses and all your fei you can bring everyone together the whole family it's like a party and and you're just running yeah you'd be running around like even even here now like you know we have one in sarasota this week one in uh fei at wef and if we wanted to we could have six showing national we don't luckily Um, but in Europe, you go to a show and if it's a five star show, you only have your two or three horses. And for the last maybe three or four years with Dara, I was quite lucky. A lot of the time I only had my one horse. I would have um, either Baloo or Cartello and I would go with that one horse and it was pretty nice, pretty cushy. But you also, the other nice part for me was like, there are times for everything like on the start order there's like the time that you're going to go in the ring and those times stick for the most part like 
Yeah. You don't, there's no waiting around. There's no, Hey, I need five more minutes. There's no, you know, it is what it is. And you go when you go and nobody cares who you might be or what you might be doing. Like the schedule is the schedule. And that's, I found that unbelievably amazing. Especially coming from here. So one, but one thing I found the Americans don't appreciate too much about European shows is sharing a fence in the warm up. Oh my God. That is the oh, most yeah. terrifying. The first few <laughs> years I went to Europe, the most terrifying experience of my life was sharing jumps in the warm up. Like I was so, just this timid little, hi, I'm from America. And they're like, oh, we're going to eat you up. <laughs> Jamie, can you, since you're, you've started in America and then, and then had the European experience, can you share for our listeners the, the experience of the schooling area and how that's different? Well, in America, for the most part, unless you're at the global in Miami or, you know, a few other horse shows, you have a warm-up jump that is your own. Like if there's four jumps in the arena, you jump when you're four out and you it's a it's a math equation. <laughs> like you just it's a rotational, out what, yeah. Who's you four just out, figure who's three. out what your jump yeah. is and you go there and you have that jump to yourself and it's very nice and easy. And then you go to Europe and there's two or three jumps in the warm-up. And Nikki, correct me if I'm wrong, but normally there's two oxers, one vertical, kind of something like that. And there's not if a you're lot lucky. of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes and just two jumps, a, right? Yeah. And there's not a lot of changing allowed and you have four people using the same jump and you're trying to adjust it and you're getting yelled at because there's a rider coming and like. Ugh, you just jump so whatever stressful. everybody else is jumping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to learn how to warm up differently. And I think that's one of the biggest differences between here and there. And I think even, you know, it's, it's scary enough for us. We're trying, it's like crossing a 50 lane highway, but I think even the riders have to get used to it too, you know, and you either, you either jump what's there and go or you maybe don't jump and it's a free for all. And, and you know, some people than, are nicer than others, but well, are some so people scary. just want to go up by one hole every time. And you're like, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. You got to move a little faster than that. <laughs> well, um, right. And you guys are talking about classes that jump, you know, up to five foot jumps and you've, you've got to, you don't have that much time to get ready. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody for the most part thinks they're more important than the other people trying to jump the jump. So like and the grooms too, oh. you know, like it, everybody thinks that their rider is more important and they need more jumps or they need this or that and like it's kind of, you know, you try to be nice and try to make it all work and sometimes it And then you get run well over. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I will yeah, the say egos now, in with, the schooling area. Oof. Yeah. I will say now, like, okay, I haven't experienced Europe in a while, but now that we have the rule where we can't have landing rails and things yeah. like this anymore, that's going to make life so easy in Europe because there's mm-hmm. nothing worse than your rider wanting a landing rail and nobody else wants it and you're running in and out with that rail. 
Yeah. So again, Literally for our listeners, your life. La- so so Nikki, ex- I'll explain quickly what a landing rail is. But just imagine um, a, a little blonde girl holding a twelve <laughs> foot pole in her hands that's already pretty heavy, and running out to the backside of a jump that somebody probably is coming at her, uh, to- you know, towards her to jump it, just to set it precisely nine feet or a little further away from the jump, so her horse can land properly, and then immediately going and grabbing it. So that timing is is. <laughs> very difficult even when you're only dealing with your own rider that may or may not be aware that, that you're setting that and i yeah. yeah i can only not only now are you crossing a 50 lane highway of these horses but you're trying to literally not get crushed while you're being jumped and yeah that is terrifying so that i wasn't aware of that that's a new rule that we, we don't do that um yeah, in schooling that's areas FBI, there yeah that's a new fbi yeah. rule in in general um no landing rails well, and isn't there something to, I mean, again, we're, let's compare it to the states where we, even in the hunter ring, right? We can get so complicated and landing rails and guide rails and and flags and towels and all this crap on the ground and Liverpools. Sometimes I think we make it so overcomplicated for the horses in the schooling area that we wear their minds out before we even go in the ring. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And so um, maybe in Europe, they've got a little simpler attitude and that's easier. Well, I agree. I think, yeah, and yeah, for sure. Like when I see these poor people hauling Liverpools, these fully big, huge Liverpools, not even yoga mats, Liverpools. Not even the yoga program. mats that we all jump. <laughs> and I'm like, these poor misfortunes. You could not pay me mm-hmm. to do that. I would refuse mm-hmm. blank. And you don't get that in Europe. You don't walk around with a Liverpool in Europe or a, a mat or anything. Yeah, you jump the you just rails, jump, jump. and then you go in the ring and jump what's in there. Yeah, you it just also, jump. Yeah, but that to your point, it does make you realize that it doesn't have to be as complicated as it kind of can get over here. And that's not to say yeah. that like I'm not saying Europe is better or America is better. I just think that you know when you start to venture a little bit and see how other people do things it does make you realize that there's a simpler way and it doesn't have to be so difficult and like you know Nikki and I as much as we've gone to the same shows in Europe and America and have traveled the world with the horses like for me it was learning how to go from being the little American girl going to Europe and realizing there's a whole nother world out there. Nikki had to learn how to be, you know, from the European system coming over here. So we have that as much as we're the same, it was a very, at least for me, I think it's a very different experience kind of going one way to the other. I think I was very lucky in a sense though, because um, Dara was very Americanized, as you guys mm-hmm. know. Um, so the system I walked into, even though it was European, it was very much American. Yeah, you know, uh, like in Europe, you're you're not feeding at four p.m. Oh my god! If right. you go into a barn in the Netherlands and you're going with feed buckets at four p.m., you're getting your your backside handed to you. You know, um. 
And for a European barn, that's what we used to do. We used to feed it for. We kept the American system very much, even mm. when we were in Europe. So European barns, you would feed much later, right? Like oh, a, absolutely. If you're done riding yeah. by five, like a person, lucky. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a person's like, eating schedule. And you know, in terms of um, the ratio of horses to grooms, like you, you don't have that in European barns. You know, you're you've got maybe one person and one flat rider for 10 horses. Right. It did always amaze me how much we got done with way fewer people in Europe than, than we do here. And I don't know if that means, again, we're complicating it here in the States and we have so many things to do, uh, meaning, you know, preparing them in the morning and, and making sure that they have, you know, 15 million kinds of, of, pieces of tack and boots and and eight classes per day or per horse show, I should say. And and they're just the same thing as going to the ring with one horse at a time and one class at a time. And But that's yeah. the um, difference, right? Like you go to a yeah. show like where we are at WEF and you need all of the stuff that you can possibly get because, right. you know, you go to the ring with the hunter and you're at the ring maybe from the beginning of the class until the jog. And like that person Which could who be two is, hours. Yeah. And that person who's at the ring isn't back at the barn able to do any work because they're waiting at the show. And like then you have an equitation horse. And then, you know, there's just a lot, not that it's wasted time, but there's a lot of time per groom spent at the ring compared to in Europe like I said like you go you jump maybe you wait for a jump off you know if you have enough time you go back to the stable you ice quickly you do whatever you can but like time management in America is you have to be so on top of your game yeah and I think that's a big difference um in Europe is that we, we're we have you have more time to take care of the horses properly and um, you aren't running from ring to ring and class to class, which, which makes a big difference for the horses primarily, much less the people. Well, and I, I think also like, like at home at a barn in Europe, I feel like in America, there's a lot of focus on, we got to wash the legs. We got to do this. We got mm -hmm. in Europe, like horses don't get bad legs. They don't get bad skin. Yeah. They don't get anything they're like that. Horses are horses. They're not. Horse, they're not bubble yeah, wrapped. Like, they're not. And you know, like I said, you're you're two people with your ten horses. You know, they're thrown out in the field and they're pulled back in. The same bridle is probably using all those ten horses. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's maybe it's not a hundred percent pristine. But they're still taken care they're of. They're still being well. taken care of and they're still getting We're still doing you know, the same job. And yeah. It's just uh less uh, fancy pantsy, maybe. That, that I like that word, fancy fancy pantsy. I think that's very, <laughs> very accurate. <laughs> the new professional term quoted by fancy Nikki. Fancy. <laughs> um I did think of a, a bit of a funny story actually, just going back to the fences. Um, yes, go. So it might have been maybe five or six years ago in the international warm-up here at WEF. And it was a certain Irish rider's, not my uh, previous rider, but another Irish rider, his first time in the U.S. And 
he's like warming up and he's like Nikki can I can I jump your vertical I said sure yeah like it, but once I go up like I'm going up but you can jump it until then like or you follow us and he's like but like what where's my fence I goes well you you need to wait there's four fences here and I looked at the list and I goes you're eight out like you have loads of time you're good you he's, no 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 I need to jump I need to jump and I'm like I'm telling you I promise you take your fence when you're four out and he would not have it and mm. it came to him getting his fence in a way and he was eventually it was taking forever until he was called to the ring and he was like oh oh yeah I, I did warm up too early didn't I and I was like I told you <laughs> you just wouldn't listen to me so well, he had I wasted think all his jumps and yeah. didn't realize he was oh, still God. five out yeah um. <laughs> And isn't that so I remember the opposite happening when I went to Europe to show and to ride and I didn't understand um, at the national shows or even the local shows, you know, you have three riders in the ring at the same time. And I, first of all, you know, the language barrier is a thing when you don't understand um, Dutch. That's hard to figure out what you're doing. I and don't think anyone understands Dutch. Oh, my God. I yeah. don't think even the people <laughs> who speak Dutch do. do. <laughs> This is the hardest language to follow, but you know, I really, you can, you can figure out, you know, down a list when you're, the orders are, but I suddenly realized I was supposed to be in the ring next and I hadn't jumped a jump at all. And yeah. because, you know, they, you don't just go when your slot is, you go into the ring to be ready to go when you're, you know, maybe you're three out. Three and, out. Yeah. And so that concept for me was like, holy, I, I, so I remember our first few times jumping like five-year-olds over you know, maybe a, a meter 20 ox or as jump one, just to get ready and go right in the ring <laughs> when I didn't have the time. And it's it got to be jarring for the Europeans. Same thing to come here. Like you said, Jamie, both both ways, you just the concepts and the culture for for just competing at all are so different. You so can, that's, that's kind uh, of where, in my opinion, that's kind of where you can tell like the European grooms that have been in America before versus the ones that haven't because everybody looks lost in the schooling ring. You know yeah. what I mean? Like right. that's, it's just, and you try to help, un, you know, make everybody understand. And it's just such a foreign concept when you're first figuring it all out. And mind you, we're, we're all getting ready for these classes where the jumps are pretty big. So as much as we would like to keep it simple, you still would like to jump, you know, the height you're jumping you want to do it your you way. get in there and do it your way. Exactly. And what you think your horse needs. And uh, can you imagine what these horses must think of us and and what we do to ask of them before they go in? I mean, I I would think some of them, and I know some some of them really do get pumped up to compete and show. I mean, I don't know. Do you think that they're like, okay, I've jumped two jumps, I'm ready, and then we jump eighteen more? <laughs> like, no, you're not ready yet. I don't know. I I'm, I but just it's think more they must think that sometimes we're bizarre. Like sometimes. whether it's the rider is ready versus the horse. Sure, right. That too. Yeah. All right, Jane. I, what's what's a funny story from you? One European story. Um, I don't like See? nothing stands out. It's just kind of a a blur. <laughs> a, well, a blur, yeah, and just kind of like a learning curve. Like you just have mm -hmm. moments where you're like, I literally am on the other side of the world. I have no idea what I'm doing, but off we go and we figure it out right like that's yeah half the battle is just 
getting shit done and figuring it out. (laughs) And that's that's what you learn in your life. What you're doing the whole time. (laughs) I will say, you know, another thing I, I love about European shows is they feed us. We got our breakfast, mm, lunch and dinner. And there's no better place to go than Rome because they give you free wine at dinner. they keep on pouring they They know how to make people happy happy. there at your dinner um yeah well i think that is a big thing in europe is it actually is a sport and it's treated as such and it's a it is a party and it's a party for people coming to watch general just the parties in general if you go to leon or oh god falsebro shows like this they have legit parties they have they want DJ. everybody to have a good time and okay i couldn't do it now but like you're you you get to the show you unload your horses and you go straight to a party and you haven't slept in 24 hours <laughs> right i mean i remember even at the regional shows in belgium that i would start at and you start, you know, in the morning and you have your young horses jumping and there's plenty of people watching. But as the show goes on and the classes get bigger, the reason the Grand Prix or at that time I was doing mini pre's that were probably no bigger than meter 25, that the reason they're at 6 p.m. is that everybody's come after work or at the end yeah. of the day and they're coming to watch and cheer people on and cheer their friends on because everybody yeah. knows horses there and everybody and I bet they have a knows someone with a farm. Here and yeah. right. a great time. <laughs> it's like a football so game much here. More, there's so much more of an environment at the shows in Europe than there is here. Like you go to a big show in Europe on a rainy Wednesday and there's still a lot of people there watching and there's people that are excited to be there and they're cheering and clapping and like not every show obviously, but like, you know, there's just, there's such an atmosphere over there that it gets you more pumped up and it gets you, it helps keep you excited to go to the ring for a big class and it, you know, then it just kind of turns into after the class, after your horse is finished off, like you want to go hang out with your friends. Whereas like here, it's just kind of like, Oh my God, tomorrow's going to come very soon. And your day is exhausting. And I think it's for me anyway, it's a bit harder to motivate at shows here than it is there because like, like I said, there's just such an environment and such a, you know, hype for some shows over there that it just, it gets you going and it keeps you going. Yeah. And, you know, even over here, you know, like you said, you, you know, you, you want to go and you want to have motivation to go see your friends. At least in Europe, you all have your trucks, you're all parked together. Someone drops their ramp, pulls out a barbecue and you're all sitting around having a yeah. barbecue there could be 20 of you there here you're gonna go and you're gonna spend a hundred bucks just to go have a nice dinner with someone on a yeah. Wednesday evening you right. know um and you know you 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 do your shop at the start of the week throw it in your fridge in your truck away you go um you have all your food there for the week even though yeah like I said you're getting your breakfast lunch and dinner for free anyway but you do not spend a penny when you're away yeah. on the road in Europe Right. Right. The, 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 the art of the 
business side over here is much higher and um it's like con- it's like concession things everything's to be purchased and nothing is given away this has been fun uh does anybody else have anything they want to add to any i'm, major I'm curious as note? to what that question jamie had maybe we get that oh in. right i forgot sorry it was what it's was a that? simple question it's not that exciting but like what was the hardest say the first time you came to america from europe not even just horse show related or horse related what was the hardest part for you to kind of get acclimated to being a european coming to america for the Uh, first time the heat in florida yeah (laughs) oh yeah i bet because uh believe it or not i had never touched a jumper until i stepped foot in florida for derek Henney. that's really? so crazy i never groomed for a european or anything or like a, yeah he's european but i never groomed the european circuit until i did florida first and then i did the european circuit well florida wow. certainly is hotter than um it's quite than, the welcome <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh um well this has been really fun thank you guys for joining um yeah, yeah thank it's, you Thank it's, you. Um, I think people, if they can imagine showing in Europe, like it's, you know, it, it's, it sounds really glamorous and, you know, fancy. And actually it's just, it's more, I think it's more down to earth. It can, they have fancy shows over there, but I just love that it is more down to earth and more, you know, s- simpler. And, um, everybody just kind of wants to have a kind party is, and have it a good is time. What it is. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit more about the horse there, and yeah, I love these I shows think, here too. But they're we've we've complicated it a little bit. I think it's easier also to make friends, maybe with fellow yeah. friends in Europe. Well, you have time, right? You're you're a little more, you know, you're at the no. ring. It's a little more relaxed, but and, it's also yeah. like Nikki was saying, it's the it's like um, little village of the like living community. in the lorries and everybody being together instead of like leaving at the end of the day and going to your separate places and yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. it's a little more of a community i would say even exactly. though we're here we all kind of retreat to our own separate homes um at the end of each day there and there's a little more a little more community feeling it seems yeah, yeah. for sure yeah all right. Um, well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you both joining. Uh, this was really fun. Yeah, Anytime. It was fun. We Thank could, you. We could we could talk about things like this all day long. <laughs> cool. <Yeah. laughs> well, let, let's let's definitely do it again soon. 